So I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, that's where we're going to be in God's Word today. And uh, I want to start off by saying, you know, Brother Andy and I talked just a few moments. He said, hey, uh, you know, pray for us. We're going, to be, we're going to be doing a new song this morning called Same God. And I told him, I said, oh, brother, that's on my playlist. Um, so you know I'm a runner and I like to run. And that song is on my running playlist. And I listened to it yesterday morning uh, when I got up to go running. And uh, it reminded me, I was singing just a few moments ago. And I, I felt my voice starting to crack a little bit. And, you know, when I start running, sometimes I run a little too fast and realize, wait a minute, I got a long way to go. I better pull back and save some for the rest of the journey. I, I do that a lot of times in my praise, you know, in my worship time. I start singing and I forget that I'm a preacher and I got to be able to have a little bit of voice left to preach. And so I, I was sitting there singing that song, but at the same time praying, okay, God, help, help me hold back just a little bit. Because you got to use me to preach your word too. So, uh, but I am thankful. I'm thankful that we serve the same God. Amen. We read the Old Testament and we see what God has done in the lives of His children. We see the miracles that have been performed. We see the promises that have been fulfilled. But don't we today sometimes have a hard time believing that the God who moved in the Old Testament is the God who still moves today? We do, don't we? we? We have a hard time believing that what God did in the life of, of, of Enoch or what God did in the life of Abraham or what God did in the life of, of Moses uh, or what God did in the lives of those disciples in the New Testament, we, we sometimes just struggle with it, that God would do that for me, that God would do that for us right here, right now. I'm going to tell you, God is the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, He'll always be the same. He is the same God. And so the power and the truth, the promises and the miracles that we see in the Bible, God is still giving us that truth. He's still performing those miracles today. All we've got to do is trust Him. Amen? All we've got to do is believe in Him. And so I'm thankful that we see the God who makes incredible promises fulfill promises in the book of Acts. And that's what we're going to see today. You know, when I was a kid, I tell you stories about my Aunt Nancy all the time. But when I was a kid, I, I used to love getting up in the morning and going outside, and I could always smell breakfast cooking at Aunt Nancy's house. Like, I could just smell it. And, and, and sometimes I would just take off running and not even tell my mama where I was going, right? I would run across that field, and I would go into my Aunt Nancy's house. And I'm going to tell you, I, I loved her, her biscuits. They were homemade. I loved the bacon. I loved the eggs. But one of my favorite things Aunt Nancy cooked in the mornings was pancakes, Okay, I'm a pancake eating dude. I love me some pancakes. Marty would tell you. She'll come home and say, "Hey, what do you want for for dinner or what do you want for lunch?" And I, I'll say pancakes a lot. Okay, but when I was a kid and I started out, Aunt Nancy would make these ginormous pancakes, like it was as big as the pan she was cooking them on. And so I would reach over and grab some butter, and I'd stick me some butter right in the middle of the pancake. And then I'd take another pancake and stack it, and put some butter right in the middle and stack it. And one day, Aunt Nancy caught me. And she said, oh, boy, let me show you how to butter that pancake. And Aunt Nancy took that knife, and she got a, she got a good chef's size portion of butter, okay? And I'm not here to tell you what's good for you and what's bad for you, because I think it's all good. But anyway, she took that butter, and, and she started in the center. But do you know what she did with it? She spread it out. Oh, my goodness. She said, baby, you're not even getting the butter on all the pieces of the pancake. you got to get that butter on all of it. 
And she spread that butter all over those pancakes. And I'm going to just tell you, it was life-changing for me. It was. I, I thought Aunt Nancy's pancakes were good, but man, uh, that, that butter made it even better. And, and so I know this is a weak analogy, but, but I, I want you to see that God began something in the book of Acts. It's called His church. And we've already seen that. And, and the church formed right there in Jerusalem. It's what I would like to call the center, right? The center of what God was doing. But God's Word was spreading. We know that. We've already read that in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, Acts chapter 6 verse 7 says the Word of God spread. And then we read in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, which is what we looked at last week, and it says this. It says, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So so what started in the center, Jerusalem, the church, his word began to spread. And not only did his word begin to spread, but guess what he did to his people? He began to spread his people out. The Bible says he scattered, right? He scattered the church all throughout Judea and Samaria. And here's what I want you to understand. Jesus told his disciples at the very beginning of Acts, right? He said, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be empowered and enabled to be my witnesses. And here's what he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But then he said, you'll be my witnesses where? Judea and where? Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen to me. When God makes a promise, he keeps it, doesn't he? When God makes a promise, he keeps it. Now, we may not always like the way he keeps it or when he keeps it, but when God makes a promise, he keeps it. It says they suffered, right? They were challenged. They faced persecution. But here's what I want you to understand. God allowed that, right? God allowed the church to be scattered so that the word could be preached, right? The word would be preached, And so even when we're facing challenges and difficulties and even when it hurts physically and spiritually and relationally, God can do anything with anyone at any time to accomplish His purposes. And what God did in the book of Acts with the church, I believe God can do to and through you today as an individual but also as a body of believers, the church today in Start, Louisiana. I want us to see just what happened, right? When God allowed the church to be scattered, when the word was being preached. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. The Bible says this, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. Here we are. God's promise is being fulfilled. He went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah, there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. He didn't just use his hands and feet. He used his mouth. It says, For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And look at verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. 
Here's what I want you to see so far, right? God allowed the church to be scattered. Why? So that the word could be preached. Well, the early Christians preached the word wherever they went. Even in the midst of running from Jerusalem, wherever they were running into, guess what they kept on doing? Talking about Jesus. Telling people about Jesus. They preached the word wherever they went. Even in difficulty. Even in places they may not have ever stepped. Even in places they had maybe have never seen with their eyes. People that they encountered for the first time. The Bible says they preached Jesus Christ. The gospel was being spread throughout the land just how Jesus said it would in Acts chapter 1. Not only that, we see a young man named Philip. Now, this is not the first time Philip is mentioned. He was already mentioned. you remember when it said, hey, choose men to help us wait on tables to serve in the church? Philip was one of those that was chosen. And so it says Philip went to Samaria, and what did Philip do? It's very easy. It says he proclaimed the Messiah, right? He proclaimed the Messiah. Now, he went to Samaria. Let's talk about Samaria for just a moment because I have to believe that when Jesus told his apostles, when he told those apostles in Acts chapter 1 that they would be his witnesses, not only in Jerusalem but Judea and Samaria, I have a feeling that when those apostles heard that word Samaria, some of them probably went, really? And they probably looked around and going, you're going to Samaria. He's going to make you go to Samaria, not me. Let me tell you why. Samaria was the land known as the northern kingdom of Israel. Samaria consisted of a mixed ancestry. And so the people were a mixture of both Jews and Gentiles. And this mixture created all kinds of cultural and racial divides. There were all kinds of barriers set up between the Jews and the Samaritans. We've heard Jesus preach about it, haven't we, in the Gospels. We've heard Jesus talk about the Samaritans, and we've seen how some of those Jews turned their noses up when he said something about those Samaritans. But what we see in this passage is just as the apostles were preaching and teaching Jesus, just as they were performing miracles and great signs in Jerusalem, God has enabled and empowered his vessel, this man named Philip, to do the same thing where? In Samaria. In other words, God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, wherever He wants, with whomever He wants, right? You know what we call that? Sovereignty. God is sovereign. How dare me ever draw a line and say, God, you got to stay in this box. How dare me ever draw a line? However, how how dare me ever draw a line and say, I'm not going past that line? Because I'm going to tell you, God will do what He wants to do. And God will do what He wants to do with or without you, with or without me. And so Philip went down. And listen, he may have been able to turn heads by the power of the Spirit in him to perform miracles and signs because it says he did that. But don't miss what the text tells us because this is so important. It says they paid close attention to what he said. They paid close attention to what he said. He didn't just show them the Messiah with his actions. He showed them the Messiah and told them about the Messiah with his words. I'm going to tell you, we need to be ready and we need to be willing to preach and proclaim Jesus wherever we go. How many of us are like Moses and we say, "Uh, God, 
I, you know, my words, I, I'm not real good with that. How, how many times have we hidden behind that before, right? And what did God tell Moses? God says, I'll give you the words. So if anybody in here has ever struggled with, well, you know what? I can't say it the way my Sunday school teacher says it. Well, I can't say it the way my deacon servant says it. I can't say it the way Brother Jeff says it. Let me just tell you something. If the Holy Spirit gives you the words, it's going to be better than what Jeff could say anyway. It's going to be better than what your Sunday school teacher could say anyway. If the Holy Spirit will give you the words, you just be the mouthpiece. Just be the mouthpiece. We need to be willing and we need to be ready to preach Jesus Christ, not just with our hands and our feet, but with our mouths. We need to tell people about Jesus Christ. We need to tell people. We need to proclaim Jesus with our words. And that's what Philip was doing. Isn't it amazing? I'm going to tell you, it blows my mind. Isn't it amazing that God uses us Uses us, even in our challenges, even in our struggles, God uses us to advance his kingdom on earth. Do you you understand that? God is scattering who? The church into the world to do what? Preach the word. Listen to me. There is no plan B. You, You and I, we are God's plan to preach the word and proclaim Jesus Christ. There there is no other plan. If you see the other plan in the Bible, please show me. Please tell me. But I don't see it. I see God equipping, empowering, and enabling his church to be his witnesses. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. We go on and we read this passage in verses 9 through 13 about an encounter that Philip has with another man along the way. It says, now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. Verse 11 says, they followed him because he amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But I love the first word of verse 12. It says, but. So he may have got away with it for a little while. He, he might have got away with his false doctrine and his false theology for a little while, but. Right? Verse 12, it says, but. When they believed Philip, as he proclaimed what? The good news, Right? The good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So first of all, let's deal with Simon here because this is the encounter, right? The encounter is between Philip, who is preaching Jesus, And Simon, who is basically preaching what? Me. Self. Look at me. I'm a great wonder. So Simon boasted in himself. And the Bible says the people gave him their attention and their following. So Simon is saying, look at me. Look what I can do. Look at my power. Look at me. And the people are looking at him. They gave him their attention. Not only that, wherever he went, guess what they did? They followed him. That's what the Bible says. The people actually began calling him the great power of God. They were amazed by his sorcery, 
Let me tell you what Pastor Tony Merida says. He's one of my favorite preachers. Pastor Tony Merida says, Simon was a false prophet. Why? True prophets will direct praise toward God. False prophets will receive praise as fuel for their own selfish egos. They become their own God. But God, amen? By God's perfect design, by God's perfect development, the scattering of the church... The church was being persecuted and it looked like, oh no, what's going to happen? God says, I'm allowing this to happen because something good's going to come out of it. Because of what God designed and developed, Philip goes to Samaria. Philip goes to Samaria and what does he do? He proclaims the Messiah. He preaches Jesus. See, Philip boasted in Jesus. And because he boasted in Jesus, it says the people believed him. Now that's not just a head belief. That's a heart belief. Why? Because it says they were baptized. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Isn't that what Paul says? If God be for us, who can be against us? All that persecution they faced in Jerusalem. The church could have been shaking and quaking in their boots. But God says, I'm allowing this and I'm fixing to do something incredible with you. I'm fixing to do something incredible through you. If God be for us, who can be against us? The sorcery of this man could not stand against the Spirit of God. Philip did what God called him to do. He proclaimed. You know what that means? That means he used words to promote the kingdom of God and to lift high the name of Jesus. And when he preached, when he spoke with his mouth, when he used words that the Holy Spirit gave him, it says people's lives were changed. It says they believed and they were baptized. Now Luke tells us that Simon believed. And was baptized. But he also tells us that he followed Philip for this reason. It says he was astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Notice it doesn't say a word about the words that Philip preached. Right? It says he was astonished by what? All the signs and the wonders. He was amazed with his eyes. And so we're going to dig a little deeper here and we're going to learn about what was happening in Samaria with the people and with Simon. So this is a lengthy passage, but I want to read it and then we'll talk about it. Let's look at it. Beginning in verse 14. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So up to this point, what had happened, they heard the word that Philip preached. They heard about the kingdom of God. They heard about the Messiah and they embraced the word in their hearts and they were water baptized. It was a public demonstration of what they had accepted in their hearts. And so it says, because the Holy Spirit did not come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, Peter and John placed their hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit in that moment. When Simon saw, again, he's looking with his eyes, right? Right? He's looking with his eyes. He's not looking with his heart. He's looking with his eyes. It says... When Simon saw that the Spirit was given 
At the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter answered him, verse 20, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your what? Heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and a captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. But before they got to Jerusalem, look at what it says, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. What an incredible passage of Scripture. The Bible says that the apostles, Peter and John, they came and they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just tell you something. When we read the book of Acts, we've got to be very careful that we don't just try to take something from Acts and say, oh, that's the way it's supposed to be at Start Baptist Church, or that's the way it's supposed to be today. We have to keep this in context of the formation and the building up of the early church in Jerusalem, which was now being spread and overflowing into Samaria. Theologians tell us that this was a unique moment. It was a unique moment, a time and place, one in which the apostles would go as witnesses to demonstrate the unity that the believers now had with the church. Pastor Kenneth Gangle, another preacher that I read and listen to, Pastor Kenneth Gangle tells us in his commentary, the book of Acts is what is known as the transitional stage of the church. And yes, in this case, the Spirit came after their profession and after their water baptism. But when you go back and you listen to Pastor Tony Merida, Pastor Tony Merida says in this unique case of the gospel's first moving beyond Jerusalem, the Lord sovereignly waited to give any manifestation of the Spirit until the apostles could be there to witness it. And so what we see in this passage is not something that we will see continued to be done like a cookie cutter experience. It was unique for this moment, for this place, and for these people. And in this passage, what we learn, in fact, from the people is that they received the Holy Spirit. What that tells us is that the people had a genuine and saving faith. That's what this means. The people that the apostles, Peter and John, came and prayed over and put their hands on, the Bible says they received the Holy Spirit upon them. That is proof, right? Because the Holy Spirit of God is the one who seals us, seals our salvation before God. And so this was proof that these people who heard the words that Philip preached indeed believed, not with their eyes, but with their hearts. They embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Simon, on the other hand, how did he respond to what was happening with the apostles Peter and John? It says Simon attempted to purchase the power of God. That's what it says. 
He, he wanted to purchase, right? He wanted to buy what Peter and John were doing. Why? Because he was looking with his eyes and he was thinking about all that he had done. See, here's the thing. He had once held these people captive, right? Well, all of a sudden, he ain't got them captive no more. And so he's like, oh, I want to be like that. I want the people to have to come to me. I want them to have to come to me for this power. And so in this moment, what we find out is we find out the true motivation of Simon's heart. He did not fully and truly understand the message of the gospel. He did not, I believe, he did not hear the message of the gospel because he was too busy watching signs and miracles. Now, don't misunderstand me. The signs and miracles are important. They're a manifestation of the message of God. But if you take all the time to watch and get caught up in amazement and miss the message, then you miss Jesus. That's that's what's dangerous today in our world. That's what's dangerous today in our churches. Because our churches are all about charisma and, and lights and smoke and action and events. But I'm going to tell you something. Charisma may get their attention, but it's character that will keep it. Did you hear me? Charisma might get their attention, but it is character that will keep it. And Philip was all about the character of Jesus Christ, the integrity, the message, the person, and the works of Jesus Christ. It seems as though Simon only sought God for what he could get out of it. Rather than glorifying God and giving God praise. Dr. David Jeremiah, another one of my favorite preachers. Dr. David Jeremiah says this, and this this blows my mind. He says, Simon, in this moment, actually exhibited the same mindset of Judas Iscariot. Putting a material price on spiritual realities. Let me say that again. Putting a material price on spiritual realities. Simon was seeking the market value of the Holy Spirit. Seeking the market value of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt that Peter understood what was going on. As soon as Simon opened his mouth, Peter knew exactly what was going on. He understood the dire consequences of Simon's words. And what he did, he was very direct. He was very blunt in his response. It sounds almost harsh, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe it was poignant. And I believe Peter said exactly what needed to be said to Simon in this moment. Here's what happens. Peter demonstrated God's grace in this moment. Now, we may not like the tone and we may not like the words, but this was God's grace. Why? Because Peter was calling Simon to repent and to pray. To repent and to pray. In his response to Simon, Peter leads Simon to God's grace, which cannot be bought It can't be earned. It can't be deserved. Peter tells him to repent. This is a call to repentance. And I'm going to tell you, the way Peter uses it and the language that is used, this is a call for an unregenerate heart. Now, that's a big church word. Let me tell you what that means. A heart that is lost. A heart that is hard and has not been replaced with a heart of flesh. So Peter's call to repentance He looks at Simon and says, that ain't it, brother. You ain't got it. This ain't about you. This is about God. And so he says, you need to repent. In other words, you need to turn from your sin and yourself, and you need to believe in Jesus Christ. 
You need to pray. Isn't that what he says? You need to pray for God's forgiveness. He calls him to pray. And it seems as though Simon may have responded with sincerity, asking Peter to pray for him. He says, please, pray for me so that what you just said won't happen to me. Now, here's the truth. We don't know. I I, I wish there were a few more words so that I could know, right, that it was genuine, saving faith, but I don't know. But I do know this. He was given the opportunity, amen? He was given the opportunity. He was given the opportunity to, to see his sin and to turn from it in repentance and to pray and put faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's what matters. I don't know what happened to Simon. Some theologians, uh, historians would say that he actually went on to be a Gnostic and he actually went on to be a false prophet and false doctrines. And, but there were a lot of Simons and so some theologians say this may not have been the same Simon. Here's the, here's the thing. It doesn't matter to me because Simon's salvation was between him and God. He was given the opportunity to repent and to pray. And I'm going to tell you, everyone in this room, if you hear my voice today, you, you have the opportunity to repent and pray right now. No excuse before God. But I love this because after that moment, right, it says the apostles testified about Jesus all the way back to Jerusalem. Don't you love that? Peter and John, if you'll remember at the beginning of this, it says all of the church except the apostles. So the original 12 apostles were still in Jerusalem. And they were preaching at the church in Jerusalem to Jews primarily. And so Peter and John left Jerusalem, went to Samaria, and they could have said, Philip, this is your ground, this is your job, you do it. Bye. But that's not what happens. It says they testified about Jesus through many towns of Samaria. Here's what it tells me about Peter and John. They didn't waste an opportunity to tell somebody else about Jesus. Amen? Have you ever had opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus and you blew it? I know I have. At the gas station? In line? At the restaurant? Maybe in our own home. Students, maybe at school, you had a chance to tell somebody about Jesus and you just let it go. You just let it go by. The apostles did not waste the opportunity God gave them. It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that it is the power of the gospel, right? The gospel, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. To everyone who believes. Even our enemies need to hear about Jesus. Even the ones who persecute us and challenge us, they need to hear about Jesus. And how dare me say, well, it's going to be somebody else that needs to do it. When God has put my feet and my person right in their path. Well, I'll take them to Brother Jeff. We'll let Brother Jeff talk to them. I can do that. But what if God says to you, you are my mouthpiece. You are my mouthpiece. You are my witness. I've said this so many times. You have circles, circles of relationships that I may never have the opportunity to be a part of. You have people that you see and talk to every day that I may never get a chance to see or talk to. And why would you wait? 
Why would you wait? Well, maybe they'll come to church one day. Well, maybe I can introduce them to Brother Jeff so that he can tell them about Jesus. Or maybe, maybe I'll wait and I'll, I'll introduce them to the, my Sunday school teacher. Or I'll, what if that time never comes? What if that time never comes? The power of God brings salvation to everyone who believes. The Bible says first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. That means God wants everyone to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. It started right there in Jerusalem with the church. And then God allowed the church to be scattered. And in Judea, which is the outskirts, and then Samaria, which is the northern kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, God ain't done yet. Because, boy, Acts chapter 9 is coming. And a man named Saul is coming. And a Jesus Christ experience and a change of a man's heart, even his name, is about to take it to the far ends of the earth. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. Just a simple question. That's a question I have to ask myself. Have you truly believed the message of the gospel, the word of God? Have you truly believed in the perfect life of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial death on the cross of Jesus Christ, have you believed in the resurrection that the stone was rolled away and Jesus Christ came out of that grave three days later? Have you believed that? Not with your eyes, but with your heart. Have you believed the message, the Word of God? Have you believed? Has the Holy Spirit of God baptized you and empowered you, and enabled you, sealed you as a child of God. Has that happened in your life? I'm going to tell you, if it hasn't happened, the Bible makes it very clear. We see it right here. Peter calls Simon to what? Repentance. Repentance. And that's not just saying, oops, sorry, I did it, busted. No, that's saying, you know what? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. My heart is hard. My heart is wrong before God. Repentance is owning my sin and turning from it and trusting that God has done something about it and will do something about it. It's believing that Jesus Christ came and paid the price for my hard heart and my sinfulness. That Jesus Christ has made a way through His blood that I can be washed as white as snow. It's believing 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. That if I will confess my sin before God, He is what? Faithful and just and will forgive me of all my sin. Purify me from all my unrighteousness. That's what repentance is. And so I pray, God, you know me. I now know me. And I'm a sinner and I need you. I need Jesus. I'm praying today, God, that you would forgive me of my sin and that I would be your child. And when God makes a promise, guess what? God keeps it. Because in the book of Romans... It says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and call upon the name of Jesus Christ. And what were they preaching? They were preaching what? The name of Jesus Christ. God's Word says, you will be saved. When God makes a promise, He keeps it. That's what we see. So if... If you're hard-hearted today and you've never truly believed, today 
can be a day of salvation for you. But I look around this room and I believe we got some Christ followers in this room. I believe we got some believers in this room because I've heard you praising God and I've heard the word of God off your lips many, many times. And so here's what I, what I want to say to you believers. If you are a believer in Jesus, then you have a message and you have a mission. Do you hear me? You have a message inside of you. His name is Jesus and you have a mission. You know what that mission is? It's the same mission that we see the church on in Acts chapter 8. That mission is to tell everybody about Jesus everywhere you go. You have a message. God loves you. And God has done everything that needs to be done to save you from your sin. All you have to do is repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord with your heart Confess him with your mouth and you will be saved. You have a message, and I'm going to tell you, you got a mission. Tell everybody everywhere about Jesus. Go to the store and tell people about Jesus. Go to the school and tell people about Jesus. Go to work and tell people about Jesus. And man, go home and tell people about Jesus. Come to church, and guess what? Tell people about Jesus. Do we just take for granted, oh, they came to church today, they, they, they know Jesus. How dare we? Because I'm like Billy Graham. I believe the churches are full of people who have not trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because they're dependent upon works that they've seen with their eyes and performed with their hands and not trusting in their hearts to be regenerated by God, to be saved by God. So the church is full of people that need to know who Jesus is. They need to hear the word proclaimed. So if you're a believer, you got a message and you got a mission. What is it? Tell everybody about who? Jesus. Where? Everywhere you go. Amen? That's a good word. But a good word's nothing unless it's embraced and exercised.